you are not alone if you are lonely when you feel afraid you're not the only we are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and be free it's all you got to lean on but thank god it's all you need and all the people said amen whoa and all the people said amen give thanks to the lord for his love never ends and all the people said amen if you're rich or poor well it don't matter weak or strong you know love is what we're after we're all broken but we're all in this together God knows we'll stumble and fall And He so loved the world To send His Son to save us all And all the people said Amen Whoa, and all the people said Amen Give thanks to the Lord For His love never ends And all the people said Amen Blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another star. This is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for His love never ends. And all the people said, Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another star. This is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And all the people said amen. Whoa, whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. If you're here this morning, you, you're glad to be here, say amen. Amen. And all the people said amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. And guys, the rain may not have got here like they were saying it would or there or not, but we are here and God's Spirit's going to rain down upon us. Amen? So I want you to walk around just a second. I'm going to open this in a word of prayer, but we're going to walk around. I want you to think about that. Shake somebody's hand and let them know it's going to rain God's Spirit in here. But let's pray first. Father, I come before you this morning. Thank you for who you are and what you are. And, and God, I praise you for who and what you're going to do in here. Father, just pour out your Spirit upon us, and may we be able to leave this place today knowing it's been good to be in your house. May each one of us hear the message that you've called us to hear, and may thy will be done, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So walk around, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, and tell them it's going to rain the Spirit today. It's going to rain the Spirit. Three, Jesus is the way, it's Him we glorify. Jesus is the way, His truth and the life. 
no man comes unto the Father this or any day. Lest he first come to the Son, Jesus is the way. We must teach them while they're young, Jesus is the way. To our daughters and our sons, Jesus is the way. In our words and in our songs, Jesus is the way. A simple truth to make them strong, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. It's Him we glorify. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father this or any day. Lest he first come through the Son, Jesus is the way. Make it easy, make it plain, Jesus is the way. Simple, yes, to understand, Jesus is the way. Put the word deep in their heart, Jesus is the way. And when they grow, they won't depart, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. It's Him we glorify. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father this or any day. Lest He first comes through the Son. Jesus is the way. We must teach them while they're young. Jesus is the way. To our daughters and our sons. Jesus is the way. In our words and in our songs, Jesus is the way. A simple truth to make them strong. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. It's Him we glorify. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father this or any day. Lest he first come through the Son. Jesus is the way. Bob. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Okay, as we grab our seats this morning. I don't know if it's my glasses or what, but it looks dark out there for some reason. As we grab our seats this morning, just a few announcements I want to make sure to grab a hold of. It's good to see we had 52 in Sunday school this morning, so Sunday school is climbing back up again. So praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen means, yeah, amen. amen. Thank you. There we go. These Baptists, I don't know. Um, praise the Lord. Just a few announcements I want to touch on, too. Uh, and I was asked by one of the young ladies if we could turn the fans on. I thought it, it's 70 in here. Do y'all want the fans on or off? Or? Everybody's saying no. <laughs> I got one person saying yes. Okay. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Now I see. It's only the kids that's been playing Gaga Ball that wants the yes. You'll cool down. <laughs> All right. Just a, just a few announcements here. The The thing, too, is... Uh, speaking of the Gaga Pit, it was kind of nice yesterday. We got a lot of work done for those that was able to come be a part of the work day. Uh, and the kids were in that Gaga Pit immediately yesterday. If you're wondering what that is, it's a big white structure out back. It's very solid. Very, It's going to have sand in it several several inches thick. But they're playing in it already without the sand. So praise the Lord for that. So I thank everybody that was able to come yesterday. We had a great day and a lot of work got done. So, And that includes kids. We even had kids cleaning the trailer, doing... This, that, and the other. We had a lot of workers 
uh, a lot of kids that were coming to do the work. I had more kids than adults show up yesterday, but we had a lot of work got done yesterday. So praise the Lord. Staff meeting tomorrow night. If you, it, it should have been earlier in the month. Things happened. Things got moved around, wiggled around and such. Uh, but we, we, we need to have a staff meeting tomorrow. We got at least one issue I need to bring up that Bob's been working on. I want to uh, bring to the staff. So if you can be here at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, we're going to have our staff meeting. Our churchwide camp out is again the first weekend in August. I'm not sh- I did not check yesterday to see if there's any sites left available. Now, again, to the camp out, you can come that Sunday and ha- we're going to have church uh, there at the refractory, the, the community building, if you will, at the campground that Sunday morning. You can come out and have church with us. Or Saturday night, we're going to have a, our dinner. We'll have dinner and games and stuff there at the refractory and church the next Sunday morning. I know the director of missions, I talked to him at the executive board meeting. Sherry's not here. She went to the baby's birthday party. I meant to tell her. I forgot. But anyway, uh, Tommy, the director of missions, his family's going to come out and spend the evening with us Saturday and camp Saturday night and come to church with us Sunday as well. So we're, we're, we're just going to have a good time out there, and you're invited. Now, if you'd like to camp the week prior to, there's uh, several of us going to be doing that. There was a few sites still available. I don't know if they still are. However, if you want to get in, now's the time to do it. If you're thinking August is a long ways away, they fill up quickly. They fill up quickly. Uh, we were going to try to make it to go for Fourth uh, of July, and it was filled up a month ago already. So you need to make plans if you want to go to make sure to go ahead and get your, your spot reserved. And last but not least, as far as announcements, next week, April 21st on a Thursday from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., and lunch is provided is a ladies' spring retreat at the El Shaddai Retreat Center in Yorktown. I'll make sure to put this on the back table. It's ten dollars. It's twelve dollars per person, and it's for uh, all the ladies. So, ladies, if you would like to go to this, it's next Thursday, the twenty-first, and it's at El Shaddai. I'll put the information on the back table. All right, that's enough announcements this morning. Bob, you want to come on up? Bob's got our scripture reading this morning. Father God, I just lift up my brother to you and just thank you for his willingness and diligence to, to step up, even though Chris is on vacation and this was Chris's day. Uh, Bob said he was ready and in season and out season and was willing to step up here and open the word for us. So God, I just pray that you'll bless him and his, his desire to share with us. And may you just, we hear you through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, so just to give you all a chance to get there, we're going to be in Matthew 16 today. And it will be up on the walls too as well. So if you want to just look there, you're welcome too. We'll be in Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. So it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to reveal to each of us today exactly who we say you are. Not the easy immediate answer, but who you say we are or who we say you are through our daily thoughts. 
we ask you to show us who our actions say you are uh, through this through the help we provide around the church when we're called upon and just whatever you lay on our hearts to do if we just ask you to show us who our actions who our thoughts and who our minds and hearts say you are in Jesus name amen amen thank you brother Praise God. Um, there's a famous saying that says, when all was said and done, more was said than done. <laughs> we talk a lot of, about a lot of different things, but um, we don't spend too much time talking about Jesus. This is a nice old hymn. It's called Let's Talk About Jesus. Let's sing it together. Um, there's no greater topic to, to talk about and to share with other people than the love that Jesus showed for us. talk about Jesus, the King of kings is He, the Lord of lords supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's talk about Jesus. Let all the world proclaim the power and majesty of such a wondrous day. The babe of Bethlehem, the bright and morning star, let's sing his praises near and far. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is he, the Lord of lords supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's talk about Jesus, the bread of life is He, the Savior of the world, this man from Galilee, the prophet, priest, and king, the mighty God is He. The well of living water free. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings is He, the Lord of lords supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's talk about Jesus, the Prince of Peace to see, the great position to down through all history. The lily pure and white, the rose of Sharon fair, the shepherd of such tender care. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings to see. The Lord of Lords supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's talk about Jesus, the rock so firm is He, 
the Lamb for sinners slain, this man of Calvary, the great Emmanuel, the Word of God sublime. He is our bridegroom so divine. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. Spirit, come down on me. 
vessel, so make me clean. I want to share all the beauty I see. I have the Lord living in me. I am a prisoner who's been set free, so Holy Spirit, come down on me. Make my life a symphony. Take my blindness and let me see. Holy Spirit, come down on me. You know my heart, you know all my faults. You still love me in spite of it all. Lord, give me strength to live for the one who loved us so that he gave us his son. Oh, Holy Spirit, yeah. Come down on me Make my life a symphony Take my blindness and let me see Holy Spirit, come down on me Bless the Lord Every 
Father, we just thank you for the presence that we feel, Lord, that you're here with us in our hearts and in this place, Lord God. We just pray that your spirit would anoint the pastors that brings forth the word. And Lord God, we just pray that you'd unstop our ears and let us to hear, Father, what you would have us to hear and that we might use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father God, I just lift up my sister to you right now as, as she is coming to open her heart. Lord, I was able to work with her yesterday as she opened her hands and her body to do your will and work here on this property. And now she's going to use the talents of her voice and her, and her heart to sing for you. So God, may you use her in a mighty way. And may we not hear her, but hear you through her as she honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. This song really hits home with me because it was written by a young lady for her mother who had breast cancer. And this young lady had to go out on concert tour. Her name's Blanca. She was uh, one of the lead singers in the group uh, Force Five. And she had to really face a challenge when she, dec- she heard God calling her to go out on the road on her, on her own as a, a Christian artist. And then as she's getting ready to go out as a, as a Christian artist, which I don't know how that relates that I'm not a Christian artist, but um, she found out that her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as she was getting ready to get on this plane, God gave her this song. And like I said, this song really hits me being a breast cancer survivor, but not only being a breast cancer survivor, but in every challenge that we will ever face, the title is Greater is He. So if, if you have God at your side, no matter what challenge you face, whether it's a diagnosis of cancer or, Frank, if it's a test on Wednesday, um, how can we not have it when he's by your side? Um, so please hear the words to this song. And there's one line in the song that really resonates in my ear, and it's... Um, Help me to look up. Because a lot of times when we're facing challenges, we start looking to ourselves. We start looking to how am I going to get through this, not how is God going to walk with me through this or carry me through this. Um, but if, we, if I can put one little nugget in your brain when you're facing something, it's help me look up. God, what do you have for me to learn? What are you trying to teach me? Are you just trying to grow me stronger? Those are the kind of questions when you get out of yourself <laughs> and keep your eyes focused on God. So again, hear, hear these words from Blanca, and I hope I do her justice because she's a great artist. <laughs> 
and over my head help me to look up take a deep breath and I'll take the next step though I may be weak I know who is with me That works right into our sermon, too. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is of the world. Amen? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, mor- morning. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> it's morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. I received a phone call earlier this week from a youth pastor who was upset because he couldn't figure out why the people, why there were people who were spreading rumors and lies and 
and things seemingly just to hurt his ministry, seemingly just to, to hurt what God was using him for. And, and though he didn't really call me for advice, he was very well grounded. He was very solid with where he was. He said it hurt at first, then he got a little angry, but then he got, he said, just went so quick from hurt, angry, to he was steadfast standing upon what God called him to do and would continue to do what God called him to do. So praise God for that. But what he called me for was to more along the lines just to vent. And he just couldn't understand why this was happening. Why Christian people would, he expects the onslaught from the world, but he didn't expect these onslaughts from those that were calling themselves to be Christians and such. That call, as I was talking to him, made me think about how for centuries that's, that's happened. For centuries, many of, of, of God's children have questioned the benefits of serving God. Many times, we, we have, many of us have been in that position where we just want to throw our hands up and say, what's the use? Why, why will I continue to put myself in this position when I'm not only being assailed from the world, but even those who I'm trying to witness to and minister to and work with, they tend to, to step out and they tend to do things that hurt. And, and so many times I think Christians find themselves in a position for whatever reason, for this or that, that they stop and they ask themselves, why am I doing this? Why do I continue to subject myself to this kind of, of, of lifestyle? Why do I continue to put myself in, the, in this position? Now, to some of us, that statement may sound ludicrous. But if you've been in the ministry, you have thought that. Whether it's a Sunday school teacher to a pastor. If you've been in ministry, you have been attacked. You have been assailed. And I think it would be a fair statement to say there have been times where it may just, maybe only briefly, flash through our minds, why am I doing this? Why do I continue to step out this way? We can go all the way back to the mass departure of the, of the children of Israel out of Egypt on their journey. If you remember, when they, when they got out there, they were hardly out in the wilderness for, for just a little bit when their, the intentions of God was being questioned. They immediately started saying, oh, I had it better back there in Egypt. I'd rather be, why did you bring us out in this desert? Why didn't you just leave us as slaves? And immediately they started questioning, is it better to be where God called us to be? Even today, I think you can find over and over that, that, that same age-old questioning surfacing up in and amongst Christians of what am I gaining? What am I benefiting from all the hardship? What, what am I getting for, 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 for all that I'm having to go through? Is it really worth all the trouble? We can look out and we see the world may be flourishing and, and they're making money and they got this and they have that and we look around at all the this stuff that's going on and we stop and look at ourselves and we wonder why do I allow myself to continually be subjected to this? First of all, I think that we need to stop and remember something. If, if we will realize and consider the, the deliberate, crafty, and cunning, manipulative way Satan maneuvers and schemes into the lives of God's children, we would understand that that, that is a valid question. I think that Satan comes in and he truly does everything he can to make us ask that question. He is not called the master of his seat for no reason. He has ways for each one of us 
of how to sneak in there and make us question ourselves, make us question the intentions of God, make us question, why am I doing this? Especially the questioner with a sincere heart. Now, there are those who say, well, why would I want to do that? Their heart's not really in it. I'm I'm talking about those of us today that knows Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, those of us that's been walking that Christian walk and knows who Christ is. Why would we ask such a thing? Why would we wonder, what are the intentions of God? Because Satan is manipulating, he is moving, he's reaching in in there. I'm pretty sure all of us can think back at some point in our lives when our spiritual lives was not going the way that we felt that it should, then things just wasn't going right. And we ask ourselves, is all these tests, are all these trials that we're going through really worth it? I know I've repeated that several times. I want us to think, because I don't want you just to brush, brush this off and, and, and act like, oh, I'm super Christian this morning. I have a feeling if we really think about it, there's been a point in our lives where we've asked ourselves that question. And I want you not to try to hide it and try to act like it didn't exist. I want us this morning, what I feel as though the Lord's laid on my heart, is to understand why that comes. Why does that run its way through our lives? When, when that question begins to run through a Christian's mind, I think we, 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 we start asking ourselves too, and this is why I want to make sure we deal with it. If this is so hard, why not just go back to running with the ways of the world? If we just try to brush this question off and not deal with it, before you know it, it's going to manifest itself to such a point that you're going to start rationalizing why it's okay to run the way the world runs. It's okay to go back to the way I was living because this is just so hard. What are the benefits here? Why do I continue to do this? Job had the same question, guys. Job Job had some hard stuff going on in his life, too. Job had some stuff going on, and he, he he was trying to figure it out. We need to realize whether, uh, as, as, as hard as life was for Job, he had to come to a realization, and we need to understand it as well, that, that, that Satan is a crafty individual. He is clever. It is a clever strategy of the enemy to be able to move in and make us doubt, our, our, one, doubt our salvation, but we may be sure of our salvation, so he moves in his plans. He moves his strategy. If he can't make us doubt our salvation, he'll make us doubt the, re- the willingness to live for Christ. Why are we doing this? Look at Job. To get a better understanding of this, I, I just thought this passage of Scripture here in Job, starting in verse 6, really grabs it. And now many of you have read this passage. You've probably heard it at one time or another. But there's, a, there's an important story here I want to make sure we understand. Because when we ask ourselves that question, why is it worth it? Why is it worth walking this Christian life when I could live the way of the world and have life so much easier? Listen to this little interaction between God and Satan. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions are spread out in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, Everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan went out from the Lord's presence. 
the thing that we can learn here, let's start off with this. Although God mentioned Job by name first, although God is the one who called attention in this little interaction right here to Job, don't think that this was the first time that Satan had ever considered Job. Don't think that all of a sudden Satan was like, oh, yeah, I kind of know that guy. No, what did Job say in verse 10? Immediately when God says, have you considered my servant Job? You have put a a hedge around Job, his family, his belongings, everything's protected by you. You've, You've sheltered him. Folks, Satan had already targeted Job, or he wouldn't have known that. Satan had already looked at Job. He'd already tried to go in and tear down Job. This is how he knew that God had put a hedge about, about him. He had already searched. He, had already, he knew who Job was. His, his, he had already examined everything about Job there and realized there were no openings. There was no way he could get in. Remember, he says there, on every side. When, when, when he says there in verse 10, you put a hedge around him on every side, for Satan to know that on every side he was protected means he has inspected it. He has checked already. He was looking for a chink in that hedge. He was looking for a way to get in there. So because of what Satan already knew about Job, he thought, well, he must be off off limits to me. So he suggests to God, put forth your hand, and I'll tell you what he'll do. You put your hand against God, and here's where Satan reveals, and this is why I hope we get today. Satan reveals his, his arterial motive to what he wants to do to Job, and I would say to every one of us as well. If he can, he wants to come in, and this is what he wants to do. He tells God, you put your hand forth against Job, and he will curse you to your face. That's what Satan wants to get done. Everything that that, that Satan does to God's children is for the sole purpose of getting us to a place where we will renounce God and not want him in our lives anymore. The whole purpose of Satan is for us to turn away. Either one, not ever turn to him, but if we do, he is going to try everything he can to get us to turn away from God. That's his purpose. That's his goal. That's his his whole number one thing in life he wants. He wants us to turn away from God and quit glorifying him. He wants us to get to a place where we'll turn our backs on the one who died for us. That's what he said. He he told God, if you'll put your hand out against Job, i tell you what he'll do. He'll curse you to your face and walk away. Folks, when we start walking in this world and we start getting to that point, if we don't deal with it, if we don't acknowledge that it's a trick of Satan, if we get to a point and we start saying, well, why am I doing this? Why am I going to church on Sundays? Why am I going to church in midweek? Why am I going to the workday? Why am I doing all this stuff? I could be watching TV. I could play ball. I could do this, that, and the other. What Satan is trying to do is to get you to turn your back on God and turn your back on his church. And before you realize it, if you don't deal with it now, you will. And Satan will sit back with a smile and say, I told you. He'd turn and cuss you to your face. He'd turn his back on you. See, Satan does this by making us believe that there is no benefit in serving God. If it, 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 Satan believes that we think that all our benefits are temporal things. And so he told God, you take your hand and put it against all the stuff of Job, and I'll tell you, he's a man. He'll curse you right to your face. You know, one day I was in my car, and I was pondering over some situations that had arisen, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was mentally taking a, a, a good, 
hard look at everything that was going on around me. I was just thinking, God, kind of like the youth pastor had called me, I was thinking, why do I have these pastors saying this? Why do I have this brother doing this? I, I, I haven't done anything, Lord. I, the only thing I can think I've done is I've made a stand for you, and I'm getting persecuted here. And, and I'll be honest with you, you may think that pastors don't ever have those kind of thoughts. But I was sitting in my car, and I was just broken. And I was just like, wow. And, I, I, and it was almost like a light bulb. I mean, I just all of a sudden felt that it was almost, I just knew that was Satan trying to push me into a, a position of hating my spiritual walk. That Satan was right there whispering in my ear, trying to, trying to get me to move to a place where I would regret the decisions that I had made in my walk with Christ. And as I sat there pondering that, as soon as I felt that, I immediately was able to say, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. And I had power again. And immediately I was able to, to, to get all the self-pity and the whining and everything out of the way and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that even though there is these things going on, you're still choosing to use me in the midst of these things that are going on. All of a sudden, it went from, oh, poor me and why me, to when I realized who was actually at the center of causing me to think that way, it became, oh, I thank you, God, there's a fight to fight today, isn't there? Totally flipped my whole mindset. Why and when? When I realized it wasn't God that was in on making me feel like that. It was Satan and his strategy of knowing what would bring me down, what would make me doubt, what would make me wonder why I'm putting up with all. I didn't doubt my salvation. I knew who I was in Christ. No one can ever steal that from me. But I sure was doubting and wondering, am I supposed to be here anymore? Am I, why am I going, why am I subjecting myself to this? And folks, I will tell you that I heard and, and heard it very clearly, that was Satan. That was Satan trying to tear me down. Folks, God receives glory when we look onto him. When God looks down to mankind, he, he sees us. And because he sees his creation, and when we are looking up saying, thank you, Jesus, he is glorified. He is seeing his creation glorifying him. Hallelujah. And that's what Satan hates. That's what our enemy hates. He doesn't want that to go on. When he looks at mankind, he's reminded that creation is the one thing he cannot do. When he looks at mankind, he says that God has all that power. I can't create. Now think about, let's use just a little wisdom here this morning. God is glorified when we, when we use the abilities that he has given us to, to glorify him, to, to better the kingdom, to further the kingdom. But he is not glorified when we misuse those gifts. Therefore, Satan, when he comes into the picture and he sees the, the creation of man and he knows he can't create, he'll just try to make us misuse the gifts that God has given us to recreate for him. If he can make us misuse the gifts that God has given us, he can't create us to turn our backs on God, but if he can make us misuse them, we'll choose to turn our backs on God. And then when God looks down, there's no glory. When God looks down, he says, oh, what happened down there? What, what, what happened to my brother or sister? Satan is determined to make everything that God loves turn against him. And he does that by getting us and moving within us and making us doubt. 
If we put our focus on those temporal things around us, if we put our focus on our health and on our well-being and on our monies, the song that, that, that can't, and Julie just sang was talking about that, that, that she was in a place where it was hard to go out, but she did it anyway. Julie, who got up and said she was a breast cancer survivor, I would not wish that on anyone, but through the midst of it and still today, who is she looking to? Her Lord, her God, her Savior. Folks, there are going to be hard times and hard things that come in your life. There are going to be people that say harsh and heinous things. You may not have all the glories of life in following Christ, but when you start hearing that whispering in your ear saying, if you'll just give up all that religious stuff, you can work more and buy more, have more, live better. I want to tell you that is Satan trying to get you to create an individual in yourself that turns your back on God so that when God looks down, he's not glorified anymore, he's saddened. He wants to make mankind despise being created. And if he despises being created, then that means he has a contempt for the creator. And that's when Satan smiles. That was the whole purpose in trying to take Job. That was the whole purpose when he sold God. You take your hand and extend it out there and he'll curse you to your face. He was telling God, you take away his stuff. You take away his things. You take away his health. You take away the things that are around him. And he doesn't love you. He don't care about you. You take that stuff away and watch. I'll have him cuss you to your face. And cursing him to his face doesn't mean words. It means turning his back on him. Folks, when we allow that thought to come into our mind, and when we walk away from the church, when we walk away from God, when we just throw in the towel and say, why am I putting up with all this? If we allow that thought to win, we allow Satan to win. So how's all this fit into the question? Are all these tests and trials worth it? I would say resoundingly, absolutely yes. It is worth it, folks. Not because of the money, not because of the the cars, not because of the houses, not because of land. No, these things are worth it because every time Satan attempts to make our lives hard, every time Satan tries to make our lives undesirable, every time Satan tries to make our lives miserable, and we decide to stand our ground to love and rely on God, every time I tell Satan, get thee behind me, regardless of what's happening, I choose to stand for my Lord, I can look up and my God can look down and my God's been glorified. Every time I choose to stand my ground in the midst of the trial, Satan loses and God wins. And he looks at his created and his created looks at him. And we can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every time the Lord asked Satan to take into account his his, his servant Job, God knew who Job was. When he looked down at Job, when God looked down at Job, he, he saw Job, there's the the trusted one, the one who relied on him. He knew Job. He knew Job's heart. God knew that this was a man that he could boast about. The Lord was expressing his faith in the loyalty of Job. He was expressing, have you considered my servant Job? He'd been looking down on Job. He'd been glorified by Job's commitment unto him. He knew the loyalty that that, that Job would have to not turn his back on him. Now, Satan didn't know that. Satan still got his mind on worldly things. Satan still has his mind on the temporal things. Take away all the stuff and and he'll curse you to your face. God knew Job's heart. 
Folks, and I'm going to tell you this morning that God knows your heart. God knows my heart. And when times get rough and things are are hard and, and there may be medical decisions, financial decisions, there may be people starting rumors and talking trash. I praise God we don't have to worry about that that much in this church. But let me tell you, wherever there's people, there is the, the tendency to go astray if we don't keep our eyes on God. When all that stuff is going on around us and, and, and happening around us, God knows our heart. And even though it may seem hard, and even though Satan may be whispering in our ear, just give up. Why are you doing all this stuff? Why are you, there's just a few of you going and working at the church, or there's just this, or there's just that. When all those rumors and thoughts come into our head, we need to stop and realize God knows my heart. And he wouldn't have allowed all this to happen if he didn't know I had the way, the power, and the will to make my stand for him. In Christ Jesus, all things are possible. So no matter how bad it may be, if I stand upon the strength of an almighty God and look up and say, thus saith the Lord, I choose to make this stand. Although Job didn't understand why it happened. Although Job couldn't, couldn't get his mind around it. Although Job just, just couldn't explain why his life had taken such a turn. He didn't understand what it all meant. He didn't have a clue why everything could go from so good to so bad. He still chose to stick and rely on God. He chose to make that stand. Folks, our salvation this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, our salvation is all about the love of God how much he loves us, how much he wants us. He, he loved us enough and chose to love us enough to allow his only begotten son. He knew that for the sins there had to be death, there had to be blood, there had to be the spilling of blood for the remission of sins. But he chose to love us enough that he said, I created you, I love you, and I wanted to give you the choice to accept me or not. And he allowed his only begotten son to die in the most heinous of ways so that his blood could cover all of us. He made that pathway. It's about Christ doing whatever it took to reestablish a, 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 his creation with a chance of eternity. He did that so that you and I can stand our ground. Folks, he loved us. Therefore, we love him. And in loving him, we can glorify him. How do we glorify him? If we're always on top of the mountain and everything's great and we have everything we ever want and everything we ever desire and everything's wonderful... I have a feeling we might get into self-glorification rather than glorifying God. But those he knows their heart, those he says, man, that, that, there's a man after my own heart. Satan says, well, let me get at him. Move your hand away from him. Let me touch him. Let me touch his cars. Let me touch his finances. Let me touch his relationships. Let me touch those he thought were his friends. Let me get the, those people around him to start talking. I'll have him cursing you to your face. I'll have him turn his back on you. And God's looking down. He says, nope, they're glorifying me. They're glorifying me. Folks, when we stand our ground and look up and say, thank you, Jesus, we realize it's not about this temporary life. It's about an eternal one. Amen? In fact, at lunch yesterday on work day, I think it was Brian who, Brian and somebody were talking at the table. And they were talking about how every day on this side of glory is a rough day. 
But you know what? Even if you have only 100, 110, let's say you live 150 years old. Let's say you live 850 years old. You're right up there with Methuselah. What is 850 years compared to eternity with Christ? Those 850 years was a day, 850 years worth of days that you could glorify God. And Satan's getting angrier and angrier and angrier because he can't make you doubt, because he can't tear you down. He can't pull you down. It, obviously, it's important to Satan or he wouldn't be trying so hard to make us doubt. It is important to Satan that, that, to, to tear us apart. These tests, these trials, all these things that happen in our lives, Satan wouldn't do that. He wouldn't tell God to move his hand and let me attack him with all this stuff if it wasn't important to him. Because Satan knows he only has on this side of glory to tear us apart. He only has on this side of glory to be able to poke his finger in God's eye by making us turn our back on him. He only has this side of glory if we've truly accepted Christ. Folks, it may be hard. You may be going through a hard year. You may have a hard decade. But as long as we stand our ground for Christ, we are glorifying him. And as long as we're glorifying Christ, Satan is losing. Now, I know that many times we, we get into that position that we feel like the, the wicked or the, the, the evil ones in life are receiving a better end. They're getting all the good stuff. They may have new cars. You, we see rich people on TV that we know they, they denounce Christ and are living for the world. Folks, re, let me remind you, all that stuff's going to burn away one day. They may have a few years on this side of glory that it seems like they got it going on. But I would also point you to the, how, many, how many suicides take place there. How many don't have that family where they can go home and lovingly, lovingly have a meal around the table. I love it, even though I only got the two girls still at home, to be able to go home and have my two girls and, and, and Sherry there at the table and have dinner as a family. How many can't say they know that because they've been chasing stuff? I'd much rather chase Christ than stuff. I'd much rather make a stand for Christ. I know sometimes, and I'll be honest, I know sometimes that it looks like God's children are going through lots of hardships. I know sometimes it looks like that, that God's children are taking the rough road. Sometimes it seems like people go out of their way just to be hateful and hurtful to God's children. I understand that. All while watching the wicked ones prosper. But let me tell you this. That is a crafty cunning trick of the enemy to make us believe that. Because in reality, if we turn back to our old way of living, we fail. We fall short, and we don't glorify Christ any longer. When we make our stand, Job didn't understand. Job didn't understand the hardships he was facing. He didn't have a clue that they were premeditated and directed especially at him from Satan. He didn't understand. He didn't know that. You and I are privy to the knowledge because we have the scriptures. All Job knew was that life really got hard. All Job knew was that his, his wife says, won't you just curse God and die? He was left with, he was, everything was taken from him but a nagging woman. And yet he still didn't turn from God. Probably held on tighter at that point, actually. Everything was gone, but that wife that said, just curse God and die. 
his friends come by and rather than cheering him up, say, man, you must have really done something bad. He felt alone, mistreated, and forgotten. And yet, he chose not. He questioned, but he never let go. He never let go. He didn't understand that the hardships that were coming on him was a, a, a mission and a purpose to fulfill set by Satan. He didn't realize that he had become Satan's number one target. He didn't know all that. If he had known that, he said, well, he would have for sure said, oh, yeah, I'm just going to stand for God now. He didn't know. He just knew his life was hard. And he still didn't let go of God. We sometimes, we don't realize it's Satan that's attacking. And that's why I'm saying this morning, we need to, to, to understand when, we, when people are spreading rumors, when things aren't going the way that you feel as though they should go, when, when it just seems like you're being attacked because of your ministry, when you're being attacked because you're a Christian, remember what Paul said. We battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities of good and evil. They war around us every day. Therefore, put on the full armor of God every day. It's not our battle. When our life seems that hard, praise God, God is allowing you to pull forth his sword and go and fight the battle because the battle's not against our brothers and sisters. Against the, it's against the evil one who's trying to trick us into thinking it is. God is allowing us. He's looking down upon us saying, I choose you to make that stand. I choose you and your armor to go and fight for me. Hallelujah. If we will accept that now, when the times get hard, we'll already be there. That way, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, God is still God, and we can make a stand for, some, for him right there. Job did not let go, and that's something that every one of us needs to learn. Even though Satan may be speaking to God and say, take forth your hand and, and put it against him, remove the hedges, and he'll curse you to your face, if we will choose this day in whom we will serve, and do so with, with honesty and victory. If we will do so with, with a strong heart and be able to say that though the world may be against me, my God be for me. And if God be for me, who dare be against us, it says. That's when God is glorified. God always has and always will be the same God. He is the God yesterday, today, and for him evermore. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, Elisha, David, Peter, John, Paul, all those greats of the Bible, and he's still God today. The God he was to them, he is the God he is to us. And if we will stop and acknowledge that and hold on to that, the world won't shake us. We may question, but we'll be able to glorify God in the midst of the battle and say, there's my captain, not you. When we start getting those thoughts, well, is it worthwhile? Then I can stop and say, I am one of God's children. I may not understand everything. I may not understand what's going on. I may not know why I'm in the midst of this test. I don't know why I'm in the midst of this trial. But because of the relationship I have with the Father, I choose to stand my ground. I choose to stand in the midst of this test, in the midst of this trial, and say, thank you, Jesus. There's many a pastor today that I believe are godly men, or are godly men, excuse me, who have left the ministry and left the pulpit 
And I think there's a lot of Christians who have walked away from churches because they didn't realize that the battle was not from flesh and blood. They took the battle serious and went back to the ways of who they used to be. I mean, they took the battle as being temporal rather than spiritual. Job held on. Job made that stand. Even though Satan did everything he could to try to draw Job away. And Job questioned. At one point, God looked at him and says, where were you and I created everything? I know what's going on. And, and Job's, oh, sorry. Yep, you're right. Job understood. God's in control. In the midst of your trials, it may seem like that. It's beyond control, and it is beyond your control oftentimes. But it's never beyond God's control. He's got it right there. When we get to that place that understanding is fleeting, we need to realize that hearing about God is not enough. Going to church and just hearing about Him isn't enough. I need to open my spiritual eyes and see Him. I need to acknowledge Him. In fact, in 42, you don't have to turn over Job 42. This is what Job says in 42.5. He says, I heard rumors about you, but now my spiritual eyes. He says, now my eyes have seen you. My spiritual eyes have seen you. You know how you get your spiritual eyes to see the Lord? Quit trying to handle all the trials and the tests on your own and just fall back into the arms of the Lord. Understand, as Paul said, his grace is sufficient. If you're here this morning and you may be thinking, this Christian life is just too hard. Young people especially. You have professors, you have friends, you have peer groups. You have commercials, you have ads, you have movies. You have everything telling you why you should not be a Christian. I'm going to tell you that that battle is being won by Satan in many young people's lives. But it doesn't have to be won in yours. You can choose yourself this day whom you choose to serve. In the midst of your peer groups, in the midst of all that stuff, just say, you know, it doesn't really make sense sometimes to me, but I know my God loves me, and I stand for him. Adults, you have the same things, but I would say, uh, 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 coming against you as well, but I would say this. Many of us have lived a lot more years than others. And wisdom has finally led us to the position of understanding that sometimes it's not about the peer groups and the ads and all the stuff. It's who I choose to serve. It's our choice. If you're contemplating this morning, why are you putting up with it all? Why are you walking this religious walk if it's got so many hardships? I would ask you to remember that every one of those hardships and you stand for Christ, God is glorified. Every time you make a stand for Him in the midst of all the difficulty, my God's looking at you and you're looking at Him and there's glory going on. But if you turn and run and walk the way of the world, you've allowed Satan to get a smile on his face and try to poke his finger in the eye of God. We have choices to make, guys. 
And I guarantee you, just as Christ said, though as I have been persecuted, so shall you be persecuted. And more so, he actually says. If you've been listening to any kind of sermons or you had this this pie-in-the-sky mentality that being a Christian was going to be an easy life, that everything was going to be great, you're just going to be showered in blessings 24 hours a day, seven days a week, let me remind you, you are. But the blessings aren't temporal ones. They're spiritual ones that happens in your heart. You may not see the blessing, but when you stand your ground for Christ, you will feel the blessing. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not even on the agenda. And you are going to have a hard life and not even have any words to make a way out of it because Satan don't care. You're not God's, you're Satan's. He said you're either, God said you're either for me or against me. And Satan does not care about you. All Satan cares about is trying to poke his finger in the eye of God by getting God's creation to turn their back on him. So if you've never accepted Christ, you've already turned, or you've never turned to face him. First and foremost, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have accepted him this morning, now Satan's going to be working, not because he likes you, not because he loves you, but because he hates you. He's going to do all he can to get you to turn your back on the one who loves you, who is Jesus Christ. We all doubt. That's Satan's number one tool, I think, is to be able to work doubt in our minds. But I would submit to you that if you would take that doubt today, and as soon as it shows its ugly face, say, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. I love my Lord and my Savior. Just as Deanne's holding that grandbaby, your, your Savior will hold you. Right up to his bosom. Say, I know it's hard, but we'll win this together. You may get to the other side of glory and you'll be standing in the presence of God. Now, this is Frank talking, not the Bible. But you may be able to, it says all mysteries shall be revealed unto us. You may ask, God, why in the world did I go through that? I didn't see any point in all that misery. And God's going to turn your head and you may look over there and there's going to be a thousand people standing there that had been watching you. He said, every one of them made a decision because you chose to make a stand. I was glorified by that. When we glorify God, we further the kingdom of God far better than our mouths can. When we choose by our actions to show who our Lord is, we've honored and glorified Him. Make that stand today. None of us are perfect. Satan knows that. But let us turn to the one who is to strengthen us. I'm going to Lead us in a word of prayer. If you don't know Christ, this altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. Do what the Lord's calling you to do. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then ask Him for the strength today to battle these these things. And if you're in a position in your life right now where everything's great, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job was in a position that he had everything. Big family, cows, Cattle, uh, livestock, it says. He, he had homes. He had everything. But when Satan finally turned his eye on him, it all went away. But he kept his Lord.
you're on the top of the mountain today, I'm not praying that you lose everything. Please don't go away with that. But it does happen sometimes. And if we got our faith in the Lord, we won't be jumping out of high-rise buildings. We'll be jumping up and saying, thank you, Jesus, for the one thing that man cannot take. But when we are placed in the Father's hand, no one can snatch us therefrom. Will you do what the Lord's called you to do today? It's your choice, your decision. So I'll stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Listen to what the Lord's saying to you today. Not, not me. It's unfortunate how many of those phone calls I, I receive, and, it's, and, I, and I've been there myself, of, of pastors and others that are asking, why, why are we going through this if we're doing God's will and God's work? When that happens to you and that crosses your mind, I want you to immediately say, so I can have another opportunity to glorify my Lord. So I can look up and say, thank you, Jesus, that Satan can't have me. Think that today. Father God, we come before you this morning. I praise your name for who and what you are. And I ask in the name of of the Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will pour out your blessings upon us today. And God, if there is one here today that does not know you, may you make your will known to them in such an overwhelming way that they will choose life before it's too late. And God, those of us that are here today that for whatever reason may have, have realized that, that it's hard to be a, walk this Christian walk. It's hard to be what you've called us to be. May you show us that though it's hard on this side of glory, it'll be blessed on the other side. It was hard for your 33 and a half years here as well, Lord. Those last few were really brutal. But you did it for the love you had for us. May we live our lives now for the love we have for you. God, may thy will be done, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's speaking to you, step out. Pray where you're at, come to the altar, I'll pray with you, whatever it may be. But let's not leave here today unless our heart is right with the Lord. As we sing, guys.